Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. It'll be a little different as um, I'm wanting to uh, preach and talk about uh, biblical prophecy as it refers uh, to Israel. And we're going to go to Psalms chapter 121, Psalms 121 on uh, this past, just a couple of days ago on uh, Friday, I was blessed um, for the the Jewish Center or the Synagogue of Solano County held a rally for peace and uh, I went and I wanted to stand with Israel. I wanted to show them our support and uh, went and talked to the rabbi for just a few moments and let him know that that first church campuses are praying for him and praying for their families that are in Israel. I've been in communication with our missionary who is our missionary to Israel that we sponsor. Many of you met him last year at the Awaken Conference, um, and I've been in touch with him. They have been on deputation, so thank God they have not been in Israel or in, Pal in, in the Palestinian territories. But he told me that, that their aimers, their, associate, their associates there, their ones that assist them, um, were in a part of the occupied territory and were able to escape out of their home within just within hours of the Palestinians going through their home. And uh, they got to the airport and they've been waiting and trying to get a flight out of Israel, but they're having a hard time getting, as you can imagine, commercial flights out. So he did ask us to pray because they are trying to uh, uh, smuggle through themselves through to Egypt to be able to fly back to the U.S. And so we, we've got a lot of people we still need to be praying for over there. Amen. But all of this does relate to the time that we're living in, in biblical prophecy. And uh, let's let's read um, David's song here, 121 and 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, I love verse 4. Matter of fact, the uh, rabbi read this in Yiddish and in English at the rally. Read this very passage of scripture. Uh, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Verse 4, one more time. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Amen. God is in control. Amen. And then I want to read out of Revelations chapter 12 and beginning at verse 1, Revelations 12 and 1 through 5. And there appeared 
a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in the heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon its head. His tail drew the third part of the stars, uh, stars to heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Verse 13, when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Amen. I'm going to try to make all of that make a little bit of sense here. Uh, this morning we are going to take a deeper dive into eschatology or biblical prophecy. But I want to talk about what, what is the Bible saying about this? Or maybe a more accurate tide would be uh, the, the Israel war and biblical prophecy. And uh, is anybody interested in this this morning, what the Bible has to say? And I, I, I'm glad that you are. So this won't be the typical speed um, or pace by which that I would typically preach on a Sunday morning. But this isn't a typical Sunday because the whole earth is different today than it was just a few days ago. Everything has changed. And some people say, what does that little speck of dirt in the middle of, uh, of the Middle East have to do with anything? Because that's God's speck of dirt over there. That's God's land and that's God's people. And so I want to talk about that. What does the Bible say about this? Amen. And I pray that he will open our understanding. Jesus, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to come together and break the bread of life open our understanding i pray god give us wisdom give us revelation give us insight lord that we could better understand your word lord that we might be able to share this with others with knowledge and wisdom and information and i pray today somebody somebody make their calling and election sure in their salvation let those that are weakened be strengthened, those that are sick be healed, those that are discouraged be encouraged. In the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Would you just give the Lord another hand clap of praise? Amen. You can be seated. We're really high tech this morning. And uh, our headset lapel mic couldn't have broke at a worse time, so I'm, I'm having to do it like this. But uh, this is, can everybody see this? This is incredibly high tech. I apologize if this is, uh, you know, too far beyond comprehension because it's a dry erase board. Um, there's one thing I want to start out by saying, and, and let me say, I am not in a hurry this morning, even though I am on a timer, because I, I could talk about this for a long time. Um, if I don't finish this today, I'd be more than happy to finish it next Sunday because I, I think it's important that we know what's happening in the world. And, and the Bible told us 
basically, if you want, if you want to know what's happening in the spirit world, look at Israel. It's God's clock, and so that's what we're doing. I, I, I said the other night before Addison went to bed, and she had some questions about what all does this mean, and, and why the the uh, Jewish people and the Palestinians or the Arabs are fighting, and. Uh, I tried, and I was trying to explain to her that really this goes all the way back to the Jewish people being God's chosen people. God's chosen people. And um, the Jewish people have occupied and possessed the land they're in now since roughly about the year 2000 BC. So they've been living in that land that God promised them for over 4,000 years. And the UN did not draw the map for Israel in 1947, 1948, but God drew the map of the land of Israel 4,000 years ago. And so in 1900 BC, Abraham was chosen by God to be the father of a Jewish nation. Around that same time, Isaac, Abraham's son, rules over Israel. Amen. Jacob, son of Isaac, rules over Israel. Moses leads his people. This is around 1400 B.C. Leads his people out of Egypt and back to Israel. Around 970 B.C., King Solomon, the son of David, builds the first temple structure in Jerusalem, a thousand years before the birth of Christ, okay? So a timeline here. They've had a temple in that holy land for over 3,000 years. I know it's a lot of information to take in, but just, just follow me. Um, Israel, around 930 B.C., is divided into two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. In the 800s B.C. was the rise of the prophets, God's messengers. Uh, in 722 B.C., the kingdom of Israel is conquered by Assyrians. 605 B.C., the kingdom of Judah is conquered by Babylonians. Uh, in 586 B.C., Solomon's temple is destroyed by the Babylonians. 539 B.C., the Persians conquer the Babylonians and take control of Israel. 538 B.C., the Jews return to Israel from exile. 520 B.C., the temple is rebuilt. 450 B.C., reforms are now made uh, to the walls and the temple uh, in the Holy Land by Ezra and Nehemiah. In 433 B.C., we have the prophet Malachi. 432 B.C., the lost group of Jews return from exile. Uh, 333 B.C., the Greeks, the Greeks con conquered the Persian Empire. 323, uh, the Egyptian and Syrian Empire take over Israel. And so you see that this has always been God's people it's always been God's land, even though one empire after another came in and for a period of time took over, not necessarily the land, but the people. And all of these uh, times of being conquered will refer back to the fact 
that the Jewish people had in some way lost their faith in God. And they went astray and they began to serve idols and begin to go into paganism. And when that would happen, God would say, okay, I'm going to pull my hand of protection off of you and I'm going to allow you to go into captivity and I'm going to allow you to be slaves and hopefully this will teach you a lesson, right? And so this, this goes back and forth until the time of 70 BC when the Romans conquer Israel, 20 BC, Herod builds the third temple, 6 BC, Christ is born in Bethlehem, and then in 70 AD, the temple is destroyed by the Roman Empire. Now, after that, the people were captives to the Romans, the Byzantines, the Arabs, and even the Crusaders. Throughout all these events, the Jewish people continued to live in Israel. It has always been their homeland. There were more or less of them, depending on the centuries. But there was never a time when the Jews did not live in the land of Israel. They stayed, they built their communities, they raised their families, they practiced their faith. They suffered at the hands of many outside rulers, but they always kept their faith. And that has been the thing that has sustained them even Till now, in 1948, the UN established a state of Israel, the nation of Jews. So I, I want you, I want to just start out by saying this. Don't buy into the lies that that land does not belong to the Jews. That is simply not true. God gave the Jewish people that land 4,000 plus years ago. That is their land. I don't care what politicians or media or universities say, that is their land. They have been there for over 4,000 years. The UN did not give them that land. God gave them that land. That's their land. Amen. So, brings me to a question that I think a lot would ask, and that is, um, why then the great conflict between the Jewish people and the Arab people. How many has ever thought about that question? Why the conflict? And this is how I just start, decided this morning to start out this message um, by kind of giving you a brief, uh, albeit oversimplified version of why there is such conflict in the Middle East and how far this goes back. So we're going to have to adapt a lapel mic. I sat on, um, on the bed with Addison the other night when she, was, um, when she was, before she was going to bed, she had a lot of questions about this. And so I, I pulled out her dry erase board and I tried to explain it to her like this. There's three main group of people in this picture. And I'm going to warn you right now. I don't have the greatest ability to draw or write. I'm already crooked.
That's the Jewish people. Six-point star represents, yes, it's off. I didn't go to school to study art. So your Jewish people, these are, these are the first people on the scene of this. These are God's people chosen from the time of Abraham, when God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. And you talk about a trip. All of a sudden, Abraham hears a voice that says, hey, I am God. Who? God. You, I, I can't even imagine what a trip that was. And then that God spoke to him and said, now I know nobody else ever talked to me, but I'm talking to you, and I want you to get your family, and I want to get everything you own, and I want you to leave. Where, where am I going? We'll worry about that later. But Abraham was counted as the father of the faith because he had enough faith to follow God. He followed God. And so next you would bring in to this picture, and I, and, and I guess if we're going to do it chronologically, we could do it this way. Um, you're going to bring in The Christians, that's us. And then the other party in this issue, and look how bad I can destroy this symbol, is Islam, the crescent moon. Some of you are thinking, that's a fish hook. <laughs> or an anemic banana, and it could be. You never know. Is it Isabella? Which one of you is the great? Is it Isabella or Sophia? Isabella's the artist. She's cringing up here right now. <laughs> so, try to explain this to my daughter the other night. And before she went to bed, she said, I got it. So, hopefully, this will make sense. This is God's chosen people, the Jewish people. This is Israel. This is natural Israel. They are born by nature of their birth. They are Jews. We come into the picture because by nature of our second birth, we become Jewish. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is of the seed of Abraham. So we do not claim a flesh or a DNA to the Jewish people. We are God's chosen people by our second birth. Our first birth couldn't make us Jewish, but our second birth puts us in the kingdom of God, which expounds beyond the parameters of just being Jewish, as in Joel chapter 2, 800 years before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, he said he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, that is Jew and Gentile. And so you have us coming into the picture um, around somewhere, let, let's, let's just say um, 30 to 40 A.D. That's where we come in the picture. We are born again. These are the book of Acts people the early church, the Christians, 
and Christ came to reach them. And when they rejected him, he continued and the apostles continued and they reached us who are the Gentiles. Remember, Jesus said salvation is first to the Jews. So he went to them first. Now, let me say this. Um, for anybody online or anybody here that thinks that I am going to be disparaging to people. I hope you won't draw that conclusion. I don't mean to disparage any person, but a religion? Sorry. I'm going to call a spade a spade. Islam comes into the picture roughly My mind just went blank. Rough, roughly about 16, 1700 years ago. And, uh, or later than that. So they come into the picture. Now this is where, uh, this is where this is important. These two have something in common with us. Anybody know what that commonality is? Huh? What's it called? She went blank. It's called monotheism. Mono meaning one. The meaning God. Ism meaning belief of. The belief of one God. So, but not all Christians believe that. Let's be clear. So we are all mono. You can read that. Monotheistic. We believe in one God. We as Christians stand upon the Shema of Israel in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. So we believe in one God. Now, there is a mainstream of Christianity after the Nicene Creed of 325 AD that break the Godhead into three persons. The person of the Father, the person of the Son, the person of the Holy Spirit. And they believe that they are three individuals. We don't believe that because they never taught that. And everything that we know about God comes from here. Those are our ancestors, spiritually speaking. Paul said that we are the new vine that has been grafted in to the old roots. Judaism is the roots and the understanding and the foundation of who God is. And through the cross of Calvary, we attach to this root system of there is one God. And the principles that follow that Judeo-Christian lifestyle you with me so far amen. amen now islam comes in the picture uh very 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 uh, viciously and uh, i'm not going to give you a history of that but just a snapshot uh, i remember i was at a the uh, napa state college and i was there doing a debate I, I thought it was just a forum but it ended up being a debate with different religions of the world <clears throat> and i was told um I was there, a Jewish rabbi, a Muslim imam, uh, 
uh, there was a, uh, an LDS bishop representing their faith. There was a Catholic priest, myself. There was a uh, Native American uh, medicine man. There was a guru, and I believe there was one other. And so, but the whole night ended up staying down toward this end where we were between Christianity, Islam, and uh, Judaism. And so at one point, and I'm going to use this as an illustration, at one point, the priest got up, and he said, you know, I can, and I'm paraphrasing, because I don't remember word for word what he said. He said, you know, I can pretty much end this debate, this whole thing right now. He said, you know, the Christian faith um, in 325, we came up with the Creed of Nicaea, the Roman Catholic Church. And so every Christian religion from that point of 325 A.D., they actually belong to us. Every Christian faith belongs to us because we formulated the doctrine of the Trinity. And so, therefore, every Christian group has gone from us because we are the universal original church. And I couldn't help myself. I was about to blow a gasket. And I stepped up and I said, with, with all due respect, I believe you've, you've missed it on this one, uh, Father. You've, you've missed it because you keep talking about 325 A.D., the Council of Nicaea, almost 300 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And I said, but the problem is we didn't come from you. We started in the book of Acts. We are still teaching and preaching exactly what the apostles taught in the book of Acts. So with all due respect, we did not come from the Catholic Church. We are not your wayward child. You actually are our wayward child. And you're welcome to come back to the truth anytime. I looked at the Catholic priest who was tremendously offended and so was the LDS bishop. And I said, the truth is, I actually have more in common with the rabbi and the imam than I do with any other Christianity group re represented here. And you should have seen the eyes of the imam and the rabbi. They got about that big. And I said, because we do not believe God is three persons. We believe the Shema of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, when I said that, I thought that rabbi was going to shout his little hat off the top of his head. I said, we reject the idea that God could be more than one person. We go back to what Paul said is our schoolmaster. We go back to our root system and say there is but one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is above all, through all, and in all. That's what we believe. And I said, and being that the Islamic faith is militant, literally militant about it, we believe that there is one God. 
And I said, now the difference is you are still, as the rabbi, I said, you are still looking for Messiah. And I turned to the imam and I said, and you are still awaiting the 12th prophet to come and to seal and fulfill all the things of the Quran. I said, the only difference between us is that we believe that Messiah already came and his name is Jesus and he's still alive. Other than that, we believe the same thing. There's one God. There's one God. And, and so when Islam comes into the picture, now, uh, now I need to back this up to make it a little more clear. I'm going to take us out of the picture here. And we're going to focus on, now, both religions are what? Now, you can walk out of here today and say, I learned a big, long word. I am monotheistic, but please don't tell anybody you got mono. <laughs> that would not be good. I went to church today, and I got mono. All right. Don't panic, Sophia. Where, 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 what does this do with it? What's this got to do with the price of tea in China? It's got a lot to do. Well, I don't know about the price of tea in China, but it's got a lot to do with this. Because God promised the father of the faith that he was going to have a son. What was his name? Abraham was going to have a son, and they were going to name him. There was a problem. Abraham and Sarah were old, and to be polite, be polite, wasn't nothing growing in their soul anymore. He's 100-something. She's like 80. And God says, you are going to bring forth a nation. Now, Sarah, and I'm not going to get into this, try to keep it as PG as possible. Sarah says, well, surely God didn't mean me. But what God meant was that if anyone in my household would have a child, it would, it would be the same as being mine under the law at that time. And so Sarah, this is a trip. I can't imagine a woman being like this. Turns to Abraham and says, well, since there is no advancement in medicine and surrogacy, um, here's my handmaiden. Her name is Hagar. Enjoy long walks in the night and sharing milkshakes and all that kind of stuff because. <laughs> and nine months later, as the old, old song says, whoop, there it is. <laughs> and so <laughs> now, now there is a baby that has been born unto Abraham, his first son, and his first son's name is. Now, don't let God hear you say that. He'll get upset. Ishmael. So Ishmael is a few years old and uh, uh, Sarah starts acting like a normal woman. 
and says, I'm tired of you spending all that time at that woman's house. Um, friction. Friction is real in the house. Matter of fact, Sarah probably started saying stuff like, that's the ugliest little kid I've seen anyway. I don't know why you love him. He's so cross-eyed when he cries, the water goes, tears go down his back. I don't, I don't, I don't know. She said that she might have. Said, Abraham, I don't know why you love that boy. He, so when he was born, he was so ugly, the doctor slapped the wrong end. I, I don't know. Evidently, Sarah is that, and I'm being funny. Sarah is now acting like a woman I can understand, where she says, you quit going to Hagar's house. Well, what Sarah failed to realize was, you know, those two could not lie together and not fall in love. So Abraham was in love with Hagar. And so finally, Sarah starts putting on perfume and says, no, you, you know, didn't God promise me? Uh-huh, okay. Well, you're going to start spending all your nights at my house. And nine months later, there it is. <laughs> Some of y'all know that way too well. There's Isaac. So now you got Isaac and Ishmael. You got a problem. You have one son that God promised, and you have another son God didn't promise. But only one can be the son of promise. They start growing up together. Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael's older, so Ishmael, from what we can understand in Scripture, was very harsh in his treatment toward his little half-brother. It was brutal with him. To the point so, uh, one day Sarah looked out the window and saw what Ishmael was doing to little Isaac. And she walked up to Abraham and said, that woman and that boy. You know when a woman calls something, puts a that in front of it? No, no you don't need to argue anymore. When, when, when my dog killed a skunk... And my wife had to clean it up. It wasn't her dog anymore. She called me and said, that dog. Your dog. That, she said, that woman and that boy have got to go. He said, I can't send them away. Then God speaks to Abraham. And in the ultimate, ultimate gut punch, God says, Abraham, your wife's right. Get rid of them. So Abraham pled and said, Lord, if I send them into the desert, they're going to surely die. So Abraham pled with God to spare Ishmael and Hagar. So he did. He said, he said that, that Ishmael will rule a nation. And paraphrasing, he said, he'll rule a nation, but your descendants will always be at war with his descendants. So now, Ishmael's gone. Isaac, you have Ishmael. Then you have Isaac. Then you have Jacob. Jacob's name becomes Israel. Israel. 
These descendants are still going through generation after generation. They were always Bedouins. They were always uh, uh, nomads. They wandered through to the point we find things like Ishmaelite people in the Bible. They believed some derivative, some mix of Judaism and whatever nation they happened to be living in at that time until the point it comes hundreds and even thousands of years later to where uh, a man by the name of Mohammed has a dream. Then he has a vision. I'm not going to get into all the ins and outs of it, but I can promise you it wasn't from God. Neither was the one Joseph Smith had. Because Mohammed goes from being a moderately successful uh, cattleman to becoming a vicious and demonic warlord. And they grow a big following. Now, this is important because there was Sarah. And Abraham. So now, the Jewish people trace their lineage from Abraham and Sarah to Israel. Then you go down through and you got David and all the ones. Islam says that the Torah got it all wrong. That Hagar was the beloved wife of Abraham. Abraham and Hagar are the mother of Ishmael. And through this comes the lineage of Muhammad and other men of the time. And so this war that they're fighting today goes back 1,500 years ago when they begin to fight over that. Does this make sense? And so they are family, in a sense, with one another because this one believes they're the rightful heir of Abraham and they're the rightful land to the possessions that God gave to Israel because he really, according to them, gave it to Ishmael. Does this make sense? So this war that's happening over there is not happening because somebody put up a city limit sign where the other one didn't want it. This is a hatred like you cannot comprehend that is happening there. And the Bible foretold of all of these things that would come to pass. Now, on October the 7th, uh, 2023, a Hamas terrorist attacked with over 5,000 missiles being fired into Israel. 5,000. Indiscriminately falling all over Israel. And a ground invasion that resulted instantly in 1,000 Israelis killed, 
or kidnapped. In response to that, Israel has since then mobilized 360,000 reservists that have went back and put their military uniforms on, and they are now in the land of their fathers, their promised land from God for 4,000 years, and they are fighting off the Hamas terrorist. Amen. And we need to pray for them. Um, at least 25 Americans have been killed in the midst of this. There are kidnappings, and there are, um, th this is very much reminiscent uh, to Nazi Germany when they are exterminating whole families. Now, the Jewish people, since, uh, since the formation of their nation in 1948, they have a slogan. They have something that they live by, and it's two words, never again. Never again will they face extermination. Never again will they face uh, entire generations being wiped out and wiped off the map. And so Israel is hitting back with far superior force. We, we spoke and heard uh, Friday afternoon from a mother who is a teacher in the city of Vacaville. She's Jewish. Her son left one year ago to go to Israel because they are Jewish. He wanted his dual citizenship with Israel. And to get a dual citizenship, you have to, you have to uh, serve in the IDF army for uh, one year, I believe. One year you have to serve in the IDF army. And so he is graduating this month, and she read the letter that her son wrote to uh, her. And she read the letter where he said, I am so thankful thankful and grateful that God has allowed me to be in my nation with my people that I will be going next week I graduate from from my military school and I will get to go and be on the front lines and defend God's people that has been God's people for thousands of years amen and that's what they're doing. I, I kind of like the idea of serving a military term, amen, for citizenship. I think that's a great thing. I think that'd help our own people if they'd spend some civil volunteering and, and service. And so <clears throat> they're not going to stand back and allow this to be done. I want to be very clear about this. Israel is not the aggressors in this war. Israel is not the aggressors in this war. Uh, the, the terrorists of Hamas are, amen. All throughout history, Nations have tried to exterminate the Jewish people. I was trying to say this and we're talking with my daughter the other night. Ever since they've been a people, one nation after another has been trying to wipe out the people of God from the face of the earth. Pharaoh tried first when he wanted to throw and threw all the firstborn of Israel into the river to be eaten by crocodiles. Haman of Persia tried to wipe out the Jewish race. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. And you can read that in Esther chapter 3. Uh, uh, Antiochus of Arrhenius, uh said that in, in Daniel 7.25, it says, he will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the times or try to change the set times and laws. Herod the Great gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity. The 
Romans tried to wipe out the Jewish people in 70 AD. Hitler and Stalin tried to wipe out uh, 6 million Jews they killed collectively, amen, in the Second World War. There have been seven wars that have been launched on Israel from Arab, by Arab states. 1948 to 49, 1956, 1967, 1973, uh, 1982, 2006, and now in 2023. The Yom Kippur War, some of you are familiar with, in 1973, involved the Arab nations of Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Libya, uh, Iraq, Morocco, Sudan, and the other Arab states. In this traditional mix has been, to this war, has been added in the nation of Iran. And so the nations of Ishmael, if you would, the nations that of Islam are now coming against God's people and against God's promised land. And, and you may say, well, I, I think you're oversimplifying it. Every one of these nations that I mentioned have it in their charter, which would be our constitution, that they will, quote, destroy Israel and wipe them off the face of the earth. On February uh, 2012, uh, there were 24 million 400,000 hits on the internet for the phrase uh, destroy Israel. But as of October 10th, there were over 608 million hits on Google for how to destroy Israel, over 24 times as many as there was in 2012. And so the growing of anti-Semitism is going through the world right now because God's people have always been a hated people because they've always been a separate people. And they've always been a people that have loved God and served, and served God. And I'm telling you, we stand on the side of the word of God and we stand with Israel and we stand and say, that's God. God's people, and we are God's people. They're God's people by birth. We're God's people by being born again. Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to kind of wind this down because I want to hit a point here. Uh, the anti-Semitism is going through the roof. Uh, in 2018, the UK logged a record 1,382 crimes against Jews, uh, an increase of 34%. In the U.S., anti-Semitism, Anti-Semitic incidents have rose 57% just since the beginning of this war. Revelations 12 and 1 through 5 in verse 13 pictures the irrational hatred and genocide of the Jews. Their desire to kill is not a physical desire that is coming from the Palestinians and that is coming from Iran and Syria and Lebanon. It is not a physical desire to kill Israel, but it is a spiritual desire. They are driven by a spirit of hatred and a spirit of murder. They want to wipe out God's people from the face of the earth. Read that what I read in your text again in Genesis 12 where it said and the dragon awaited, awaited for the woman to give birth that she might consume that baby. That's what the Arab nations of the world are doing to Israel. They have gathered themselves together and they want to destroy Israel. They chant death to Israel in their parliament.
movements. They chant in the streets, death to Israel. They call Israel the big Satan, and they call you and I the little Satan. Israel is the big Satan. America is the little Satan. And if you think that you can just wave your little colorful flag and stand with them, they hate you more than they hate anybody else because they want everyone to live to their ideology of hate. They want everybody to live to their ideology of murder. Amen. The current state of Iran is they are supporting this war. They are stoking this war by funding money uh, through the back channels. We know for a fact now uh, that it was Iran that the revolutionary, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard that gave Hamas the go-ahead to launch the attacks and gave them weaponry and gave them money for these attacks to happen. Amen. And from uh, uh, a, a Twitter group from the Alatolik Khomeini taunted Israelis on October 10th on Twitter by saying, Zion tyrants, you will never arise from your defeat. The 7th of October, you brought this calamity upon yourself. They are calling for the extermination of Jews. And it's amazing, the Ayatollah Khomeini and all of these uh, leaders of the Islamic world have been calling for years on Twitter for Israel to be wiped out, for a genocide against Israel. Their Twitter accounts still remain. Their Twitter accounts still remain, but if you don't gender identify somebody the right way, they'll delete your account. That ought to tell you that a lot of the people that are in power, they are anti-Semitic. They want to see this happen. But we are the people of God. We are the people of God by being born again. And the Bible said these things must come to pass because Israel is God's prophetic time clock. Jerusalem will be the focus of end time activity just before the second coming of the Lord. Isn't it amazing how it all comes back to Jerusalem? It all comes back to Israel. The Bible predicted thousands of years ago that the end time events would revolve around Jerusalem. Not San Francisco, not Los Angeles, not New York, not D.C., not Seattle, not Chicago, not Houston, but that the end time events of the world are going to center around Jerusalem. This tiny little city, this tiny little sliver of land will play a key role in the last days. In Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 3, God says, on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will end themselves. I want you to know God is going to stand on the side of Israel and God is going to stand on the side of those who stand with Israel. I, I reiterate, we are not Israel by birth. We are Israel by rebirth. We are spiritual Israel. Amen. And when I have told those rabbis and those precious Jewish people and told them, hey, we believe in the Shema. We believe in one God just like you believe in one God. I have had this grab my hand and say well then we are brothers if we believe in one God together amen we may not be Jewish by birthright but we are Jewish by our spiritual birthright amen by being born again of the water and of the spirit 
Amen. That's the only way. That's the only way we can get into the kingdom of God. Let me say this. I hope you're praying for Israel every day. I, I hope you're praying that God will protect Israel and all the, the things that are happening, the atrocities that they're trying to even cover up right now, the war crimes, the kidnappings, the mutilations, all the things that are happening. We as the people of God, we need to pray for Israel. We need to pray because they are our brethren, not just in humanity are they our brethren, but they are our brethren spiritually, amen. And we believe that God is going to save the Jewish people in one of these days, amen. Every Jewish knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. But they're not going to bow their knee to a second figure in a three-person Godhead. They're going to bow their knee to Jehovah. They're going to bow their knee to Elohim. They're going to bow their knee to the I am that I am. They're going to bow their knee to Jesus because Jesus said before Abraham was I am. Jesus said I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, which was, which is, which is to come, the Almighty. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. God's going to protect his people. God's going to save a remnant of his people. Amen. You may say, well, pastor, what does this have to do with me? It's got everything to do with us. Because Jesus said, and next week, if the Lord wills, I'll get more into it. I hope you've gotten something out of this today. I, I really pray that this is, you know, you know, in most uh, churches now, if it's, if it's not 15 minutes and full of jokes and, and then people can't listen to it, I believe there's some hungry people here this morning say, you know what? I want to know what this has to do with me. I want to, what does it have to do with the church? What does it have to do with the end time. This is what Jesus said. I cannot tell you the day or the hour that I'm returning. But if you read Matthew 14, he said, let me give you, let me give you some signs of when I am returning. Amen. He said, when you hear them cry peace and safety, when you see war and rumors of wars, when you see disease and famine and pestilence, he said, then you lift up your eyes because the sun, coming of the Son of Man is near. I'm looking at what is happening at Jerusalem. I'm looking at global uh, powerhouses that are aligning themselves. I may talk about this on Tuesday. I don't know, but I, f I feel the anointing here right now. Amen. You, you look at the nations of the earth as they are lining up to oppose themselves to Israel. Look at Russia, what Russia is doing. Look what China is doing against Taiwan and the moves they're making right now to back Iran and how Iran and the Gulf states just made a statement and said that we are going to stop oil production for those nations that support Israel. You think your gas is high now? I said, you think your gas is high now? You Can you imagine when we, we can't import oil anymore from the Middle East because Saudi Arabia and them are now saying that if you continue to support Israel, if you put your warships over there, we're going to reduce our production to America. I'm almost paying $7 a gallon for diesel. It'll probably double or triple. It'll go even higher. Amen. But I know this. God is going to protect his people. This is not a doom and gloom. This is a revelation of God's sovereignty in the earth and that his word is true. The nations of the earth have put themselves against Israel. Amen. Because Jesus is coming soon. Amen.
So we need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for peace. We need to pray that the the murder and the the war on both sides would stop. Amen. If, if, I I mean, I'd I'd say, hey, you get all your men and you get all your men, you go fight it out on a field somewhere. But that's that's not how Hamas works. They're terrorists. They, they, they use children and women as shields. And if you don't believe me, just go watch what they say. They train their children to die in the name of Islam. I, I saw a horrific video of a Hamas man who is telling his little four or five-year-old son to keep walking to the IDF soldiers who have their guns aimed at him because he's wearing a vest and he's saying, go, go. Die for Allah. Die for Allah. You can find this video. And the soldiers are screaming, stop, stop, stop. And the man is in Arabic screaming to his son, run toward them, son. They will kill you and you will be in paradise. Warning his son. You see, that is an evil like we cannot imagine. But God is not on the side of evil. God is on the side of his people. We need to pray that God intervene in this situation. But here's the good news. Amen. And and listen, I'm not going to be one of these prophecy gurus that say, now I know when Jesus is coming back and he'll be, and this is, he's coming. All I know is this is he's coming soon. According to his word, he is coming soon. When you see all these things come to pass, you see the prophecies about Magog and Iran. You see the prophecies of Daniel, the four kings, the king of the north, the south, the east and the west. I believe the king of the north is is Russia. Matter of fact, if you take the word Gog there uh, of the king of the north and you from Jewish, it actually has the root word Rus in it, which is the Russian word. I believe the king of the east is China. I believe the king of the west is the European Union and its allies. And I believe the king of the south amen, is all of the the Arab empires that are standing against Israel. But God is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords. And he said before all this stuff happens I'm coming to take my church out of here. I'm coming to take those that have been born again. I'm going to take them out of the earth and after we go to heaven to be with Jesus after we go to heaven listen when we go to heaven to be with Jesus because of the rapture the earth is going to be locked in a turmoil there's going to be wars there's going to be nuclear war the man of sin's going to arise there'll be an antichrist who will put a mark upon the forehead or upon the hand that you can neither buy nor sell I believe God's taking us out of here before that happens and God's going to take us to heaven but here's the good news here's the good news Jesus is going to come back to this earth the Bible said with ten thousands of his saints we're going to come riding back to the earth we won't be in the bodies we have now we'll be in glorified bodies amen I, I hope you like horses because you're coming back riding one amen hallelujah I don't know if it's going to be a pinto a mustang a stallion I don't know I don't know if it's going to be a Pasifino. I hope it is. I like him. A Tennessee Walker. Amen. Or some other type of exotic horse. Amen. But the Bible says we are coming back riding with him and the armies of God. That's you and me. Jesus will put his foot on top of the Mount of Olives. 
I said Jesus will put his foot on top of the Mount of Olives and you and I will come riding in victoriously with him and we'll step on the battlefield against Gog and Magog and the four kings of the earth and the battle of Armageddon and Jesus Christ the captain of our salvation will lead us into a victorious battle and that Stand with me. And that, Sister Michael, is going to be something you don't want to miss. Because after we defeat, the armies of God defeat the armies of Satan, then there will be a thousand years of peace upon the earth. It's called the millennial reign. You've heard about that. You hear about it all the time. Be a thousand years of peace. The Bible says that the, the lamb will lay down with a lion. It's going to be different. We'll rule and reign with Christ. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, the Bible says that time of peace will be so powerful. Satan and his demons will be bound in everlasting chains of darkness. Oh, I get excited about that. I read the back of the book and we win. Check this out, Brother Abraham. In the millennial reign, when you're a hundred years old, the Bible says you'll still be considered a child. Because the development, the aging process, almost completely stops. Because we're in that new body. We're with him. Oh, I'm so thankful. And you want to make sure you're on the right side. get in his kingdom is you've got to die be buried and then resurrected now the Bible says that repentance is a type of our sin and we repent of it. Everybody say repent. And then you got to be buried. That's my best attempt of a tombstone right there. So after you see when something when something or someone dies, when something or someone dies, you do what? You bury it. They took Jesus from the cross and they, they buried him. The Bible says we are buried with him. In baptism. That's a baptism. to get baptized now now I look like I know that looks like a backward flying bird 
but that is a tomb that somebody has gotten up out of because being baptized is a type of death and burial but because Jesus lives we live and so when you come up out of that water you rise to walk in a resurrected life through the Holy Ghost you can't you may not have been born Israel but you can be reborn Israel I don't know when Jesus is coming but I know he's coming soon he could come before you even turn your light off to go to bed tonight he could come before I even give an invitation for somebody to pray could come before you graduate he could come before you retire brother de leon y'all put all that work into moving get that u-haul full and he just may take you home be a resurrection the second coming and they're just driving around going what do we do with all this man stuff they're gone that's kind of rapture that's going to take place the second coming and you want to make sure you're ready for this. Because if we don't do this, we won't be in God's elect. I want to be saved. You know what this stuff is? This stuff right here, this is not a sign of different geopolitical strategies. This is a sign that Jesus is getting ready to return to this earth. Would you just pray with me right where you're at? Would you just bow your head? Just right where you are and just say, Lord Jesus, I want to be ready to meet you on that day. Lord, I want to be ready to meet you, Jesus. Lord, we're praying for Israel. We're praying for their safety. We're praying, Lord, that you would push back the, the darkness and, and the murder and the genocide from Hamas. But Lord, we're praying more than even that. Lord, we're praying that our hearts are ready to meet you when you come. Lord, your word tells us that except the man be born again of the water and of the spirit, they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And Lord, I want to enter into that kingdom. I want to be a part of that kingdom. In the name of Jesus, keep praying, keep praying. If you're here this morning and maybe you've never been baptized in water, in the name of Jesus, amen, or you've never been baptized at all, amen, I challenge you this morning to seek out after the Lord and say, God, forgive me my sins and I want to be right with you before you come because there's only one chance to make the rapture. There's only one chance to make the rapture. The Bible says today is the day of salvation and right now is the appointed time in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
in just a moment, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask everybody in this place that wants to make it, everybody in this place that wants to see God work, I want you to come meet me in the altar, amen, here in just a few moments, because God is dealing with people all over this house, amen, whether you're a, a member of this church, or, or maybe this is your second or third, first time even here, in just a moment, I'm inviting everyone to come to this altar, and we're going to come together, and we're going to pray, we're going to make our calling and election sure, and then we're going to pray for the safety of Israel and the Jewish people around the world, in the name of the Lord, do you feel it? Do you feel it? Do you feel his presence moving in this place right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm about to make an invitation. I wouldn't let anything hold me back or anybody stop me. You're not going to get singled out or embarrassed. But if you want to make sure that you're going to take flight in that great day of morning, in that resurrection, you want to pray for the safety of the nation of Israel and peace in the Middle East. I want you to come join me in this altar in just a moment. But God's moving across this building right now. He's starting to pull. He's starting to move right now. That's it. In the name of Jesus, when I count to three, I want you to come out of that chair and I want you to meet me in the front. One, two, three. Come on. Come on and meet me in the altar right now. Come on and meet me here. We're going to pray today. In the name of Jesus, I want to make sure that my sins are forgiven and washed under the flood. In the name of the Lord, that's it, that's it. Just reach up your hands and begin to pray in here. That lifting up the hands is a universal sign of surrender. In the Bible, God admonishes people to lift up their hands and their hands. What we're saying is, God, you are in control. Lord Jesus, you are in control. You are sovereign in my life. You are sovereign in this place. You are a great king over all the earth. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, his spirit's moving in this place. His spirit's moving in this place. Yes. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.